20 to 30 times more people do end up um, taking their own lives uh, through suicide, uh, through mental health problems, and, you know, because of the having to go through depression. And so when I look at a class and I've got a class of 30 people. Um, Awe Genge, this is Mental Meters, hosted by Asago Toto. Okay, so Chris Smith is um, he's he's forty one years old. Um, he's the host of Chatty Geek Hidden Dragon, which is a podcast and a live stream uh, promoting conversations about mental and social health. And we try and talk to people from all walks of life, all different experiences, mm-hmm. and we have conversations with uh, with regards to mental health and experiences, and just to sort of drop the stigma associated with having the conversations and also just getting the message out there that everybody everybody experiences highs and lows and it's okay to talk about them so martial arts and mental health tell us about yeah. that yeah of course you can so i i started studying um the the particular martial art that i stuck to um is called tang sudo and that is a Korean martial art. And Tang Sudo actually means uh, way of the China hand. And I've practiced that for about 23 years now. Mm. Um, and I'm now uh, I'm now a fourth Dan. And uh, so I'm, I've become uh, Master Smith. So I can mm. sort of certified to, to teach and sort of pass on my experience and my knowledge uh, for, for what little there is. But there's still there's a little bit there that I can share. Um, and also, uh, mental health is, you know, I've uh, being forty one. I've I've lived a life, and I've mm. I, I've made I've made mistakes. Um, and a lot of the decisions that I've made, um, have been influenced by mental health. And sometimes, when you're suffering from poor mental health, you you make decisions that are from a distorted frame of reference. Mm. Um. The, the two come together, uh, martial arts and mental health come together because I'm really, really interested through martial arts practice of finding out what is the what is the opposite action. So with by opposite action, what I mean is what is the most appropriate action to take in any given circumstance? Um, so many martial artists, depending on the style that they practice, um, will look for efficiency and they'll look for maybe, you know, doing, doing maximum physical damage, for example, for minimum effort. And that's kind of what you might look for when you look at efficiency in martial arts. But the problem you have is when you, when we look at our mental health, um, and our Buddhist practices as well, just me personally, we start to realize that everybody's actions are born from their own experiences, so a culmination of their experiences and their mental state. Um, and so sometimes doing um, suing, doing you know damage to a person um, from a martial arts perspective isn't the most opposite thing to do because it could be that someone's just going through a hard time and, yes, we have to kind of keep ourselves safe, 
Um, but sometimes, you know, maybe a verbal interaction is more is more appropriate rather mm-hmm. than a physical action. And it, it comes from this understanding um, that, you know, they, every, everybody is like us. We're, we're all, you know, um, influenced by a culmination of our experiences and our mental health. And, and in many ways, when you look at it like that, the, the actions we choose, it sounds a little bit um, counterproductive to say, but it's not necessarily our fault, like entirely. We're not, we don't have, um, nobody has a pure frame of reference to know exactly what is the right thing to do. We're all kind of muddling our way through life um, to try and find what is the most, what is the best action to take. And sometimes people get very confused. You know, people might say, um, People might think that, you know, let's just take an extreme example and and look at someone that's got a drug problem and they will be driven by many strong emotions that will be driving them to do make decisions and choices Mm. and actions that they wouldn't necessarily like someone who doesn't isn't influenced by that or by that uh, addiction. They, they make actions that they wouldn't make. And, you know, that drug addiction, they didn't necessarily entirely choose to have it. It's not, it's sometimes come from a sequence of events over many years. And so we have to kind of understand that with our martial arts uh, practice, uh, we need to also have empathy and care. And, and that, how those reflect on each other, I find really really fascinating in my practice in sort of finding out you know it what is the not necessarily the gentlest thing because we still need to protect ourselves but what is the most appropriate action that we can take what's the uh, most appropriate words that we can choose when we're speaking to someone and i find that really really fascinating it really gets me excited thinking about it (laughs) so um, you spoke about having a podcast what inspired it how did it start? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Chatty Geek Hidden Dragon was, um, it isn't the first, it wasn't born Chatty Geek Hidden Dragon. What, what happened was, is when I, when I got my fourth done and I became Master Smith and you get asked, you know, what do you want to do? And I knew, I knew deep down that I always had a passion for mental health, um, because of personal experience, because of decisions I've made, um, because of poor mental health at times and i want to make sure that that message is passed on and that we're not just teaching people to 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 win trophies and things like that so i really wanted to help people to see that it's it's worthwhile putting the effort in looking at the looking at the psychological side of things Mm. and the other reason is uh, many people will specialize um, they might specialize in, you know, sort of wrestling maybe or mm. striking or maybe defense against a knife or things like that. Um, but in the UK, um, there may be, I don't know what the absolute, the, the proper statistic is off the top of my head, but I think it's something like maybe 30 people a year. Um, well, let's just say that it's it's a number of people a year that are actually harmed or killed by a knife attack. But there are way, way more. I mean, almost like probably 20 to 30 times more people do end up um, taking their own lives uh, through suicide, uh, uh, through mental health problems. And, you know, because of the having to go through depression. And so when I look at a class and I've got a class of 30 people, um, it might be that at least 
of the young of the young men and, and women that train with me or the young students, um, two or three of them are probably going through a depression and we can't see it. Um, so that is really how um, Chatty Geek Hidden Dragon was born. But it was it was first born as a, a podcast which was called Eternal Spring. And I was very, very serious because I'm passionate about it. I want to talk about <laughs> mental health and and how I see the, the link of it. And I, I, I love I love the Buddhist philosophy as well. Um, and it became Eternal Spring. But what I found was, is I'm also I'm also a little bit wacky and I like to have a bit of fun and I like to joke and I, I really love me video games and, the, you know, my, my Marvel movies and all that mm, kind of mm, stuff. Mm. And, and I didn't want to block that out. I didn't want to just like sort of tunnel vision and say, this is me and try and block out all the rest. I wanted to try and encompass everything. And it became really interesting because it meant by encompassing as much as I could, I could bring people in from loads of different sides just to talk about mental health and sort of talk mm. about their experiences and how they've made the decisions and what's influenced the, the road that they've gone down. And this mm. is what Chatty Geek Hidden Dragon is. So you mentioned about the Buddhist, Buddhist belief. Yeah. What drove mm-hmm. you to, into the Buddhist, Buddhist belief? Yeah, well, honest. Back to the back to the geekiness. When I started, um, when I started martial arts at a young age, um, I wanted to be a Jedi. I'm not going really yeah. to lie. I love the I love the Star Wars and I love the Kung Fu movies and the Shaolin uh. Temple, all that kind of thing. And I thought, right, well, okay, you know, calming the minds, becoming mm. one with the Force, one with the Force, all that kind of thing. I thought, yeah, I'm going to learn how to meditate, but I don't just want to sit on my own in a in a room and you know just practice by myself. I need someone to guide me. So I thought, right, what what do the what do the Shaolin monks practice? And I mm. found out that they studied. Um, a style of, of uh, meditation, which is called Chan. That's actually the Chinese equivalent word to Zen, which is the, which is the Japanese equivalent, which basically just means it's Buddhist practice with an emphasis on meditation. Es- essentially, that's all that means. Um, but as I got down the road, it obviously I, I, I matured and I learned more. And I, I just thought this, this all is really, really fascinating. And I, I and I loved the, I love the idea that Buddhism worked with first and foremost, it worked with the suffering of people and, and, you know, it, it studied why do we suffer and, you know, what is the cause of suffering and how can we work towards alleviating suffering as well? And, you know, also work towards alleviating the suffering of others in the, in the long-term goal. And, you know, it was a very beautiful balance then that I'd found between, at the time, a slightly more aggressive form of training and then Mm. this very gentle, um, very gentle and deep practice of meditation. And and over the years, like I'll say, it's about 20 years ago that I started meditation practice anyway. And over those years, it's kind of amalgamated and, and joined together and become one philosophy, really. So you are mentioning a thing of meditation. Yeah. When you started started to meditate, was it difficult mm-hmm. at first or it was just easy no go? Yeah, well the, the the problem with with meditation is that there's so many different routes to approach mm. it. I mean for something that just involves 
sitting on a floor or a chair and not doing anything else. <laughs> you know, it seems very, very simple, but there's actually loads of different approaches and there's loads of reasons why someone might choose to meditate. It, someone might not meditate. Some people might practice meditation and that their practice might have nothing to do with uh, Buddhist belief at all. Mm, mm. Uh, they could, they could meditate for, you know, maybe a bit of um, performance improvement they could mm. meditate just for a bit of mindfulness training, which is kind of related to Buddhism, but Buddhism encompasses a little bit more. Um, and they, they might meditate for, you know, just a bit of calm or a bit of maybe self-hypnosis. Or, or There's loads of different ways to do it. For me, the the, the really great thing about the Buddhist uh, teachings, depending on the style, is you don't really have to do anything. So if you're sitting and you and you're quiet and you're just putting that effort in, then you're doing meditation. You can't really go far wrong. Um, and if you've got a guide, if you can, or if you've got somewhere where you can research or a teacher that you can maybe ask questions, that will then help you to work with the certain experiences that you have. Some experiences can be very insightful um, and can be quite useful. The majority of experiences, however can aren't quite useful from the zen perspective because what we're trying to do is um calm ourselves calm our mind and keep investigating the the sort of purity of experience and what we find is we get a bit of insight and we get carried away with it we're like oh that is just such a fantastic you know idea and we get carried away with this idea and we turn it into a really big story and at that point we've actually stopped the meditation that we were trying to do so in that respect it can be difficult to begin with but that difficulty continues throughout practice there's still times where you get a, what you think is possibly a good session and you get times where it probably wasn't so good or you'll feel but you know it could be that the, the things, the sessions that you think weren't very good experiences actually were because you're actually working with di the like difficulties of the mind. Whereas what you thought was an easy session, that could be just because you were asleep or you were daydreaming. And, you know, you, 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 you didn't come across any difficulties in the meditation session because you were fast asleep and you didn't realize. So that can sometimes happen as well. How did the idea of streaming start? Streaming your live? Yeah, so streaming, um, it's just something that I wanted to do. Um, mm. I've, I've always been drawn to challenges and I've always been drawn to sort of getting out of my comfort zone. And I've learned to just accept that when I first start doing something, I'm not going to be very good at it. That's that's something that I've learned. It's, mm. it's mm. everybody. Everybody is the same way. When you first start doing something, you have to uh, get 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 the into your into your head that you're not going to be very good at it when you first start, and you'll slowly get better. And you know, if you learn to embrace that, the problem is with streaming is it's you know if you if you've got a bit of anxiety going on, um, and you know, or you or you're nervous, you mm. you're kind of putting yourself out there for anybody to watch, and you know that you see some people that troll other people mm. and it's quite scary i've never been trolled yet touch wood um mm. but it's it, it's quite scary that prospect you, you know you could get a group of people that just pick on you while you're trying to talk about mental health or talk about your journal or do an interview and things 
but mm. I think you've just got to go for it. You've just got to take that risk. And that's what I wanted to do. It was, it was something that made me feel a little bit nervous, like podcasting did to, to begin with. Mm. Um, and I thought, right, well, that makes me feel nervous. So let's give it a go and, and have a, and have a try and see how it works. I would say I also feel the same way because at first, if you can look at my podcast at first, I usually, I usually started on my first, almost the whole season one, whole season one. So I started on season two, I became better and now I'm more better now on season three because, because I felt like if I'm, I don't do this, who will, who will, who will be able to, to talk about these things that I want to hear? So I started to co- create yeah. a conversation around uh, around mental health and and also mental health is something that I have been de- be- dealing with for a long time. Mm-hmm. So doing going out there, being able to get out of your comfort zone, one of the best things that I ever done in my life. Yes. Yes, so you get used to it. You get it gets less intimidating each time. Um, but like I say, you, you'll you'll do it and you'll stream and you'll put the podcasts out there. And you know, you'll you'll try an idea out, and sometimes that idea won't work. And sometimes, you know, there'll be a certain type of episode that you want to get that out. And you'll you can see the numbers, you'll see that maybe only one or two people each time mm. are interested in listening to that. And that's just it. And 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 you know. You've got to then decide, okay, am I doing it for them or am I doing it for me? That's, mm. a, that's a really key thing. Mm. Um, mm. And it's finding that middle ground, I think, between, okay, what, who am I doing it for? If I change it to, to get the numbers, am I going to be fulfilled with what mm. I'm producing? And is that going to make me feel make me feel good about what I'm doing? And, and sometimes you have to stick to stick to your own way and mm. just wait for people to stumble up upon you because existing people that are with you you know people come and go and but there's people out there that are just waiting to sort of stumble across your content and then they will if you're being true to yourself mm. and and it works with them then they're going to stay with you all the time and and the best thing is is you're being yourself as well so you can't really go far wrong. That's like the magic. That's like the perfect, the perfect situation. It just takes a bit of work. It takes a bit of work to get there. Mm, mm, mm. So going back to martial arts, what is yep. the ultimate goal in martial arts? So people have, um, it's a bit of a trick question. So people mm. take up martial arts for many, many different reasons. Um some people approach martial arts with a very holistic um, approach, mm. which is, is is the way I approach it. So it's, yes, self-defense, but it's also improving physical fitness, mental fitness, mm. and social fitness as well. It's We're working on how we interact with other people, and we're also trying to make ourselves a better person. Mm. Other people that practice martial arts they are interested maybe in the, the, the competition only. Um, and you can you can tell those people um, they have they have a certain way about them. They're very, very focused, very impressive with what they do, but they don't have that much attention outside of that, you know, that competition environment. Um, the ultimate goal for me is um is really it's 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 kind of the very it's kind of the same as for, 
personally for me it's kind of the same as the buddhist practice whereas we're trying to realize in the moment that perfect action and that perfect state with the calm mind so we are reacting absolutely in harmony with our environment and who we're talking to who we're reacting with and what's happening around us and that is the that and sometimes it comes and goes it's not like a state where you'll get it once and then that's it you've found it congratulations it's with you for the rest of your life it comes and goes and and it, that's what you're working with that's what you're working towards and and elongating your life improving mm-hmm. your health being a better person and then allowing that influence to ripple out and and affect everybody around you and and the whole world as well why not mm, mm. so you describe yourself as a signpost what do you mean by that yes yeah i well, we touched on it a little bit earlier so there sometimes we can we we really really passionate about the message that we're trying to get out and and, and yourself you know, you're doing a podcast as well. So you're clearly going to be very, very passionate about getting your message out there, um, mm. helping as many people as you can. Mm. Um, now, you know, someone who is kind of might see themselves as a bit of a, a bit of a, like a, like a shepherd or mm. a, a leader, and they will go out to find the sheep. Yeah, they will go out to find the sheep and they will find, they'll try and find lost people and they will try and lead them in the right direction. Uh, I describe myself as a signpost because I know where I am and, but I can only, I I appreciate that I personally can only help the people that are where that are with me at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, So I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to go out and find someone who's suffering or going through a depression and just sort of force myself upon them and say, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to help you. What I'm going to say, all I do with my podcast is I say, I am here. I know where I am being 41 years old. I know what my experience has been. And I know the direction that I'm going in to try and improve my life and improve the life of others. This is the direction I'm going in. You're free to follow that direction as well. And that's like the signpost. It's in a fixed position. And this is the way that we're going. And if that doesn't suit people, and if, you know, it might be that I'm not relevant to every person who's suffering. Mm. Uh, It might be that, you know, it could be, you could have people with certain, um, certain histories. You could have people in prisons, for example, that, Mm. that talk in a certain way. And, you know, we don't we we can't all have the language that speaks to everybody and is you know and works with everybody so we kind of have to appreciate where we are and say this is where we're going this is where we want to go mm, and, and and that's mm. up to you to go in that direction as well mm, mm, mm. so why 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 is it so important to remove the stigma on mental health yeah, so the, the 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 stigma of mental health, what we mean by that is that within the community, there's certain subjects that people feel uncomfortable um, he, listening to mm. and also talk about. And there's also, which is really, really unhelpful, is there's certain communities and certain environments that are getting better, but there's still that sense that actually we shouldn't be talking about those things. 
So a certain work environments, let's say, you know, people that work in the police force um, or, you know, people who are maybe supposed to have a strong, solid, you know, determined demeanor mm. and, and not supposed to show any weakness. So for someone like that, even though, you know, the police force is getting a lot better and they do provide therapists and counselors, I'm sure, within that industry. Um, the stigma is that we shouldn't be having these conversations and we shouldn't be showing any weakness. And sometimes when we go, we meet friends at a bar or a coffee shop or out in town or we go we go for a night or for an evening meal. It's, you know, it, it's kind of still expected that you will talk about fun stuff and keep the keep the hidden stuff hidden. Mm. Um, now we're not kind of we don't have to sort of say that when you meet your friends you must expose the darkest um, de de depressive um, thoughts all of the time however you know if you do want to have a conversation and you do want to say what how you're feeling mm. please do that because you'll you'll find you know uh, 99 times out of 100 your friends will want to help you and will want to listen Mm. Um, but we just want to say, you know, I've had a, I've had a really crappy day and I'm just not feeling it. And, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm maybe, I don't feel like I'm training enough. I don't feel like I'm a, I'm enough fun. And, mm. you know, it, 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 we can say it, we can, it's okay to say things like that. And when we drop stigma, it means that we're not, it means that our lives aren't moving forward from a confused from as from as confused a position because when we're able to talk about it and have it reflected back to us by someone who is listening our our distorted frame of reference just maybe clears up a little bit and that means moving forwards we're moving forwards from a, a more clearer perspective mm -hmm. and then we are Actually end up we can end up snowballing towards better mental health rather than snowballing towards worse mental health and mm. that's really why reducing stigma is so important because it, it it helps everybody because our mental health as i've said before affects the actions and the decisions we decide to make and the actions and decisions we decide to make affect our mental health and the mental health of others so it's all a very interconnected spider web that we're trying to work with by reducing stigma and, and working with mental health. Mm, mm, interesting, interesting. And I believe that the stigma, I think the, the stigma is on the male side because as you mentioned, um, we are not supposed to cry. We're supposed to show emotions as men, whereas yeah. we are the one who yeah. are suffering. And the stats are on our side. Uh, recently, I spoke about men, men's mental health on my podcast. Mm -hmm. so, and I feel like it is hard for us to, to open up. It's hard for us to yeah. op open up in terms of we are afraid that we will be judged by other people. So yeah. I believe through this conversation that we are having, that will change. But it will take time. It won't happen yes. overnight. It won't happen overnight. overnight. It won't. But as long as there's people like me and you that are that are working towards it and also are willing to share our mm. own experiences and, and just get it dropped. It's kind of a bit like a like a like a waterfall chipping its way through a, a granite um slab 
it, it, mm. it, it seems like it's taken forever, but slowly but surely it's going to chip away and, and we're going to get there. We just got to stick at it, mm, essentially. Mm, 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 mm. So don't you have any anything to add? Well, I think we've had a fantastic conversation to be honest with you we've um we've hit all of the mental health subjects that we that we wanted to talk about i've you've you've allowed me to waffle about myself and tell you about my meditation and my martial arts and we've hit good old star wars as well so it's a it's a 10 out of 10 for me it's brilliant brilliant episode okay thank you so much we